Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast brought to you through the Better Sports Network. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR writer of the year, Matt Sells. We are previewing the tricky triangle of Pocono Raceway this weekend. Matt, how you doing? Are you looking forward to Pocono? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I am looking forward to Pocono. I think it's an underrated track. Like, we only need it once a year, right? That's fine. I don't think we need to go here twice um, although you had an interesting idea a week ago doing a double header Thursday and Sunday when there's nothing else on after the MLB all nothing day. on after the MLB all star <clears throat> Thursday night is, is a dead yeah. zone. And if you just move this to like the weekend after the MLB all star break, you can have a cup race on Thursday. You can still do a cup race on Sunday. You can basically do that double header that they wanted to do a week ago when you can sell the trucks and Xfinity run Friday and Saturday, and you can make it a four day show for NASCAR at Pocono and, I think it'd be a huge camping endeavor because it's a massive track. There's plenty of space, and I think it'd be great. And I think I it'd be great. Like there's a huge bar in the infield, so um, even better, even better, right? <laughs> um, I, you know, I like it. It is a weird track. There are some things that we have to delve into in this podcast um, that you have to take with a grain of salt. Um, practice and qualifying was long. A, very long for some reason. <laughs> it. You know, it's not like it. they had two 50-minute sessions. They had two 20-minute sessions that took, like, an hour and a half. And then qualifying took, like, an hour. I don't know. It was two and a half hours for practice and qualifying today. So that was long. And then there's some chaos that happened as well that's going to give us, I think, a few chalk plays. Um, but overall, the strategy of this track is, is interesting. So there, there's kind of a lot to delve into in this podcast here. Yeah, so let's just dig in. Track preview. Pocono is it, it's its own animal, um, and we we say that for a lot of tracks and how you know like there's nothing really compares to Bristol or you know certain road courses or maybe even Nashville because that's like a one point three 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 mile an hour or mile track. And but anyway, Pocono is literally it's a triangle. It's got the two longest straightaways in the series, and the banking in each turn it's it's different. It's it's progressive banking almost actually it's it almost degresses from fourteen to eight to six. Uh, massive track, but you know, what tracks can we look at that might correlate not directly, but as close as possible to Pocono? 
Yeah. So for a little while, you know, we we've, we've struggled to find some comps to Pocono, and I feel like over the last couple of years, we've found some better comps. They the overall flatness of the track is one thing to take in mind. The size of the track, two and a half miles. The only other places that mirror that are you know Daytona. Talladega is 2.66. Those are really steeped and they race them completely different. And road courses are like that long. And obviously this is not a road course. So where do we go? Well, we're going to look at tracks where guys are on throttle a lot because you're generally on throttle almost the entire lap here, except for when you're backing out of um, probably the tunnel turn, which is turn two. It's basically 90 degrees uh, and fairly flat. Um, so, to start with that, we're going to look at Auto Club over the last couple of years. We're going to look at Michigan, right? Two two-mile tracks that also don't have the steepest banking. So there's that. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of the mile-and-a-half tracks that they've raced this year. Vegas, you're on throttle quite a lot. Uh, Kansas, a relatively flat mile-and-a-half track. Charlotte, you're on throttle quite a lot, right? So we're going to look at those. Um, and then we can toss in Nashville because it's flat and it's about an intermediate. Okay. So we can look at those. And then obviously previous Pocono races are generally the ones um, that we're looking at for comparison. Uh, not exactly true data points, but close enough because they're also in the intermediate package this week. So, you know, if we start with those, we'll be in pretty good, pretty good spot. And then look at what we saw at practice and qualifying today which i'll have in the playbook for sure so we we did allude to that practice and qualifying was pretty yeah. long i actually think i i tried tuning in initially at 2 30 my time it would be 1 30 your time uh and i couldn't get access to it because i couldn't get the nbc sports app to work and so i was just kind of waiting around but i could I, I could see twitter updates and everything and that group a had started and that was at 2 30 and from when that started to when qualifying ended, it was 5 p.m. So it was a two and a half hour practice and qualifying session. Very long. Uh, what were some of the biggest takeaways from what we saw in practice and qualifying? Uh, it's going to be very temperature and sky dependent this weekend. What do I mean by sky dependent? If there's cloud cover, it gets faster uh, for sure. We saw that in practice twice. Cars spun out. The cars that were on track because they ran three at a time, 15 seconds apart, so that they could theoretically speed things up. I don't know that it saved any time because they had people spinning all over the place. Um, but every time the two guys that were on the track that didn't spin, they got to go back out. They got the benefit of cloud cover and ran faster laps. So, you know, we saw that with Group B in practice was faster than Group A. Denny Hamlin was the only one from Group A to crack the top 10 overall speeds in practice. Um, didn't see a whole lot of, uh, 10 lap averages. We saw nine guys across both practice sessions do 10 lap averages. Um, that will be in there, but just, you know, in, in the practice results part of the playbook, just note that only nine dudes did it. Only three guys pulled off 15 lap averages across 20 minutes. So, you know, we don't have a whole lot in the long run speed to go off of. And then in qualifying, things got crazier when some other guys spun a couple of dudes. Didn't run nearly as well as we thought they would. Some guys hit the wall. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of topsy-turvy going on in practice and qualifying. 
So you'll see some big numbers here in terms of where guys ran in practice versus where they qualified. It's going to take some sorting out for sure. Uh, before we dive into the driver pool, uh, Matt did reference one driver that spun out in qualifying. That was Bubba Wallace. Uh, he made the final round of qualifying, and he actually put the car in the – I can't say put the car into the wall because that makes it sound like he actually wrecked it. Uh, but he did tag the wall. The team yep. has said that they don't think that they'll need to make any adjustments. So it looks like he will start and still be scored from P10. Doesn't look like – as of right now, we're doing this almost 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Doesn't look like he's going to have to go to the rear for any adjustments. Which is good. Um, Yes, that makes him a very interesting dude <laughs> to, uh, but, to look at. But we will uh, dive into the NASCAR uh, player uh, driver pool on DraftKings. We actually have six drivers this week priced at $10,000 or above. Martin Truex starting P2, Denny Hamlin starting P8, Kyle Busch starting 25th, uh, Larson P3, William Byron is on the pole at 10200 and Ross Chastain who does have a win at Nashville this year, but he's had, for the most part, five of his last six races haven't been all that great. Uh, if you take away the win at Nashville, he's, he's been very underwhelming, so it's surprising that he's priced at $10,000. But let's break down this top tier. Who do you like to potentially run up front, collect some dominator points? Because although this is a bigger track and the truck series only had 60 laps and the Xfinity series only has 90 laps for their races – uh, this race does get 160 laps, so we still should be targeting dominator points. Uh, who are some guys that we can look at based on practice speed? So it's hard to ignore William Byron, right? He's been fast everywhere this year. He's on the pole. He ran very well in practice. Um, you know, if you look at the similar races, he's won a couple of times there. He said in his post-pole uh, interview that he loves working with his crew chief, Rudy Fugel, here. Ever since he was paired up with him in trucks, he's run well at Pocono. So there's really zero reason not to look at William Byron. Uh, he will be almost assuredly the favorite to lead laps when we're building for GPPs and for cash games, for that matter. Um, but the rest of that field is kind of an interesting mix of where they're starting, right? It's hard to look past either Truex or Denny Hamlin. We're not going to play both of them because you can't fit them. Um, but both have been very good of late. Denny has been very good historically at Pocono. Um, he has six wins only, or sorry, he has seven wins, only got credit for six of them because last year's winner, Chase Elliott, finished third, but the two dudes in front of him, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, got DQ'd at the end of the race. Uh, so that's one oddity you got to pay attention to. Um, Larson. Interesting, right? He didn't run a five-lap average in practice, but he was second overall in lap average. So if, so if we add all the laps in practice he ran and you average them, he was second only to Kyle Busch. So um, that's pretty interesting. I think Kyle Busch is going to be pretty popular for starting spot, starting 25th. I think there's a few ways we could go with that. I think if you also look at, you know, we've talked about this year, and I think we've seen enough of a sample size. It's really the tracks last year that Tyler Reddick was really good at. That has translated this year to tracks that Kyle Busch has Correct. been good at. Uh, and I believe Reddick finished fourth here last year, had a really good showing. Um, Kyle Busch won the Truck Series race for Kyle Busch Motorsports, 100th career win in the Truck Series. Like, And historically, this is just a track that Kyle Busch dominates as well. And, you know, he's coming off a really rough weekend last week in New Hampshire. I'm um, sure he's starting, you know, 25th uh, outside the top 20 for this race, but, you know, makes for 
a very popular position differential play, uh, arguably a cash game lock uh, in the upper tier. Yeah, I think starting a cash game with a pairing of Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott's probably going to be where most people go because Chase is starting almost at last because he spun it in qualifying, didn't do any damage, didn't hit the wall at all, just got loose over the bumps in the tunnel turn and spun it. Um, So, you know, I... It's very – I think there's a wide range of ways you could play the top tier there. On DK, one of the guys I'm not looking at is Ross Chastain. I I just can't get over the 10K price tag where he's starting. There's not a huge advantage in PD for where he's starting. Um, you know, 21st at 10K, okay, but you can go around him and go find some other PD guys that are cheaper or have higher upside or have been more consistent. And by the way, in practice, Chastain ran about there anyway. Yeah. So unless they have something up their sleeve for the race. I was surprised because he actually had good speed here a year ago. Agreed. He had good speed here a year ago. He's looked pretty good at the similar tracks. If we look over the last 12 similar tracks that we listed earlier, um, he's actually run pretty well in that in those races, right? He's got Five top five finishes there. He's got an average finish of 13.3. It was pretty nice, but he just does not look like he has the speed this week. Let's dip into the 9K range. One of my favorite plays. I'm sure uh, we'll have plenty of time to uh, talk about him. Uh, But while we have six guys in the 10K range, only nine or five, rather, in the 9K range, uh, we have Ryan Blaney, 9,800, starting P14. Chase Elliott, 9,600, starting 35th. We've already touched about him. And then we ran out this range with a couple guys that made the final round of qualifying with Christopher Bell starting fifth, Tyler Reddick seventh, and Kevin Harvick fourth at $9,000. Ryan Blaney, I think, is my favorite play in this range from a tournament perspective because, you know, if you're looking for a PD play in this range, uh, a lot of people are going to spend up or pay up to Kyle Busch, rather, uh, starting 25th for $700 more, or they'll just go right to Chase Elliott for $9,600, and he's starting 35th. But – Blaney had pretty good speed in practice. He didn't get the better track conditions in practice, but he still laid down the fastest uh, five-lap average in his session, uh, besting Denny Hamlin by just a smidge. Um, And overall, he was still eighth in five-lap average, and that was, you know, he lost out to seven other guys that had the better track conditions. So I really like Ryan Blaney this week. I think he's a sneaky good play in tournaments. I don't think we're going to get a – ton of leverage on him but certainly if people are flocking to the pd of chastain elliott and bush um you know maybe we do get a little bit of leverage on blaney but i still anticipate he could be between 15 and 20 percent uh rostered in tournaments agreed plus there's some people that might look at last year's race and realize he started sixth and wrecked out and finished 35th um i also think that there's maybe some recency bias against him because he had speed last week at new hampshire was very fast and i think it was a late penalty or something that dropped into the to the back of the field and he just didn't have as good of a finish as where he was running uh, earlier in the race yeah but he did lead seven laps here last year um before i believe it was either a brake thing or a tire that went Mm -hmm. down if i'm if i'm not mistaken um so yeah i mean it's hard to look past ryan blaney I will say that there is a guy in this range um, that I'm not at all excited about, and that's Christopher Bell. I I don't know where the qualifying speed came from, to be honest. His practice speed was not good. Um, He's been so-so at this style of track 
um, both similar and, you know, last five Pocono races. Um, Could it be that maybe they found something at the end of the practice session or late in the practice session? It's possible for sure. Obviously, he had the speed. You don't just show up and qualify P5. Because all the Toyotas were fast. I mean, they were, but it just gives me a little bit of pause. Like, what's okay. the <clears throat> what's the upside to Bell? Okay. Right? Because at 9,400, you're still going to need some laps led. Right? Starting fifth and finishing fifth doesn't get him value. Right. So you need him to move up a little bit. Do we think he's going to finish top three? I don't know. Um, may he lead a few laps in a pit cycle? Sure. But we're going to need more than that right and there's some guys starting behind him that i think are faster so i could see if you're going with like 20 lineups i could see tossing bell into a couple of them and see what happens but i i think fifth was his was his ceiling for where he was going to finish and so if he's starting there there's no room in the ceiling so is it safe to say you prefer tyler reddick yeah okay I mean, uh, he ran better at practice for sure. Um, he did run well here, obviously different car, but yeah. now you're coupling his speed with a Toyota with a team that's run well here in the past. Uh, it's hard to over. And then, you know, Kevin Harvick, cash game king. That guy just finished his top tens here like it's his business. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's like 11 out of the last 13 he's finished top 10, if I'm not mistaken. So Not too shabby at all. Um, let's cast a pretty wide net with this mid-range right here because you and I were pretty much in agreement before we started recording that this this is a really kind of a strange range. But Very you know, we, we have some drivers in the 8K range and the 7K range, and they're all – a lot of them are just starting in the teens, so – you know, no one's really jumping off the page as a, as a cash game lock, necessarily. A lot of good tournament plays here. Um, <clears throat> Joey Logano is 8,800, uh, starting P6. You know, that's a guy that can just go out and finish top three any given week. Uh, just a really smart crew chief that makes the right decision, decisions in race for him. Uh, Brad Kislowski, I liked uh, 8,300, starting P13. Um, you know, I, I think that there's obviously top eight potential there. Ty Gibbs is... 8,100, which seems a little bit elevated starting P11. But like we said, the Toyotas, they're all pretty fast. But then we get into this weird range with Alex Bowman, who is – and I'm wearing his T-shirt, but like he starts P20 and he just hasn't looked good since he's come back from injury. And we also have the likes of Daniel Suarez, Christopher Busher, who, you know, if we like Brad Keselowski, we probably have to like Busher, who's cheaper and starting further back. But, you know, who are some of these mid-range guys that we can maybe look to before we dip into – you know, the low 7K range and the 6K drivers. So, yeah, this is a very weird range. I'm sure some folks are going to know that I'm there's certainly a few drivers in here that, you know, I'm usually higher on any given week. Um, I think the RFK duo is an interesting is an interesting one to start with. Um, to be honest, I had Kislowski in the playbook to start because his history at this track is really pretty good. And his history in the similar tracks, really pretty good. And then he went out and kind of laid an egg in practice, and his teammate didn't. And then Kislowski out-qualified him, and so I don't. I kind of switched it to Busher in the playbook. Doesn't mean I'm off of Kislowski, but I'm not sure that 
and maybe there's a leverage play here, right? This is where you're, this is your specialty. You're looking for leverage because he's more expensive. He's starting closer and he ran worse, right? But if you trust the history more then Kozlowski has a higher upside than Busher, unless this weekend's results bear out and then Busher might have a higher upside because he's a little cheaper and has some built-in PD. So I think you can flip a coin between the two of them, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know if we can trust Alex Bowman just yet. Like, the speed is clearly there in the Hendrick cars, right? Kyle Larson was second in overall lap average. Byron was phenomenal in practice. Chase Elliott had good speed, even though he couldn't figure out why he had good speed based on the radio communication with his team. He's like, it's driving well, it's handling fine, it's... It feels good. I'm not feeling the bumps, but I I don't know. And he was like <laughs> up at speed, so I don't know what he what he was complaining about. And then you get Bowman, who showed up with good speed and then screwed up in qualifying. So it's a weird it's a weird range. But if we're going, my favorite play probably in this seven K range is Austin Dillon. Talk to me about that one because we were talking about it on the podcast or before we started recording, and I, I still wasn't sold. But you know, I do think that our listeners would really want to hear the argument for this one because he's priced up this week, and he is coming off a good week, a good run at New Hampshire. But that was mostly, I think, late race strategizing uh, that got him a top ten, and he even somehow <laughs> led a dozen laps as well. But talk to me about Austin Dillon. So. I took him, and I don't know if anybody's seen the Grill vs. Grill yet, but it should be out, uh, if not now, shortly. Uh, I took him at top 10, plus 200, as my prop bet this week. I wrote him up in the betting piece for picks-wise. Um, I liked him even before practice, and then he went out and ran decently well at practice, and then qualified 23rd. So I think there's a little bit of upside there with PD. But if we're looking at... Similar tracks, right? He ran well at Auto Club this week or this year. He ran well at Kansas this year. He ran well at Charlotte this year. He ran well at Nashville this year. He ran well at a flat track last week, which yes, a strategy, but strategy is a huge part of this race too. It's a lot of fuel mileage and pit strategy late in races. And the RCR cars, whenever you can hold them open throttle, tend to do pretty well at those types of tracks. So um, if we're liking Kyle Busch and he's in ostensibly the same equipment as Austin Dillon, I don't see why we wouldn't like Austin Dillon at 7,200 starting basically right in front of his teammate, right? Um, historically at Pocono, he's run pretty well in the last six races. He's got three top, you know, three finishes between 11th and 15th. Not bad. That's like 10 spots of PD based on where he's, um, you know, where he's qualified. And in the 12 similar races recently, his average finish is 12.9 with a, with almost eight spots of race picked up in PD. So uh, I don't see a downside here to Austin Dillon uh, this week. Okay. Uh, dipping a little bit lower. Uh, we we seem to have this collection of uh, the underwhelming SHR drivers not named Kevin Harvick. Uh, Eric <laughs> Elmerola, 7,000. Chase Briscoe. He was actually coming off a surprising top 10, and I was actually very high on Briscoe leading into practice and qualifying for New Hampshire. And, and then he hit the – yeah, and then he hit the track and <laughs> – 
And it was just one of those things where it was like, he wasn't running that well through stages one and two. And then I think just late race strategizing similar to Austin Dillon last week, just helped him get a top 10. And, uh, but what are we doing with these value, uh, SHR drivers? Are we targeting them at all? Because some of the Fords actually look pretty good, except these Fords, not so much. I'm playing one of them. You have to read the playbook to find out, but I do have one in the playbook. Um, one of the SHR ones to be specific, but, I think this this value tier is really going to be an interesting one this week because I think with the way that the slate has laid out based on practice and qualifying, you're going to need it certainly one, if not two of these guys, even on DK, to go get another higher-priced guy with all of the upside that they bring with them, right? Like if you want to pair – if, like, for example, if you don't think that Chase Elliott is really going to show up this week and you think he's going to have a harder time passing than Kyle Busch, and you want to pair Kyle Busch with, let's say, William Byron, you need two budget dudes to do that for sure because those two guys are over 10000 I mean, not like Chase Elliott saves you all that much over William Byron, $600 difference. Um but you're going to need some budget guys. So I have a few extra in the playbook this week than I probably normally would. A, because I like several of the budget dudes and how things shook out. And B, you're going to need them because of the way the slate is shaking out for both cash and GPP builds. Now, when we talk about how the slate is shaking out for cash and GPP builds, one thing that I get a little frustrated with when it comes to NASCAR DFS is that, you know, when we look at cash game slates, Usually there are three, sometimes even up to four drivers that emerge every week as just extremely chalky. I think that we can just throw it out there right now and we can say this week it could be Kyle Busch starting 25th, uh, Chase Elliott definitely starting 35th, and maybe even Todd Gilliland who spun in qualifying and didn't finish his lap so he starts 36th. I think the problem I have with cash games is like it essentially just becomes like a 3v3, 3 versus 3 of like, you know, you finding three drivers against the perceived, you know, chalk of the remaining three drivers that are going to go in, or, you know, maybe finding a little bit, little leverage. <clears throat> I played cash for the first time today in probably months in the truck series and blew up in my face. Um, I think this is where I kind of, I get a little bit turned off with cash games in NASCAR because it, it just does become, you know, you play the three chalk guys and then you try to get different with the other three guys. But then it's just like, I, I don't like that it's basically boiling down to three drive, my three drivers versus somebody else's three drivers. I would but agree. Do I you think agree. that there's enough, there are enough options in this race that you can still play cash games? And I'm assuming you still have to try and fit in a dominator as well at this drive. Uh, yeah, we, we've seen, you know, one dominator uh, races here. Now this race, does get interesting in regards to that because if you go back to 2021 and 2020, they did back-to-back races at Pocono, and what they did was they inverted the second half. You know, they inverted the first half of the field to be, you know, so if you won the first race, you started 20th in the second race and and so on, right? So that screwed up some of the laps led dominators and it screwed up some of the PD. So when you look at the stuff I'm only ever referencing – the first race from 2021 and the first race from 2020, because those were the ones that were set by either formula or practice qualifying data. Right. Um, But I would say that you, you, 
we can avoid the three Dominator builds this week because I don't think we're seeing it. I think we see at max two, if not one guy go out and lead about half the laps and then two other dudes split the other half, which means you can get away with having one of those two guys or just one and be fine, right? Um, but I don't see any reason to focus on three Dominators. Um, uh, and not with, with, yeah, not with only 160 laps. I think if you do the math, it if we account for cautions where we might get a hundred dominator points. And yeah, probably just, maybe between a hundred to 110. Yeah. And it's, it still sounds like a lot, but not really because if we do get long green flag runs, it's, it's just going to like space out the cars even more passing will become a little more difficult, especially yeah. with the lead. Yep. Um, but we do have to pay attention to fuel mileage at the end of the race. Um, pay attention because Kyle Larson Basically should have won the first race in 2021, except his tire blew coming around turn three on the very last lap, which gave Alex Bowman the win. So Larson's average uh, finish here in the number five car, if we give him credit for the win, is 2.6. <laughs> so he's been really pretty good at Pocono. And he was he was a guy that during practice and qualifying, I kind of had my eye on just because it does seem like, you know, Toyota has definitely caught up to them uh, yeah. and the, the Fords have made progress as well. And then I, I still didn't get a ton of clarity and I know it's Kyle Larson. The car's probably fast. It's Hendrick Motorsports, but he was one of those drivers that benefited from cloud coverage on his qualifying lap. And that led to a cooler track and a faster track. And then he went down, went out and laid a really good lap down. So I think I'm still trying to navigate how I feel about him this week. Um, but overall, I think we did a pretty good job covering this race. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we sign off? Uh, no. I mean, you know, check out the Grover's Grow video. The playbook will be up um, the, this evening. We'll have projections out probably Sunday morning, I would assume. Um, core plays will be out. You know, we'll have, it, uh, we'll have it pretty well covered. You can check out my bets over uh, picks-wise. Uh, they're free for this race. But other than that, it's a pretty fun. It's a pretty fun track, um, it, even though it's kind of a weird one. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time this weekend. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation at Pocono. Best of luck. Looking for a fun way to win up to twenty-five times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.